0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome everybody to episode 533 of the podcast. I am happy as always to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. This is your first time listening to the podcast. Please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I've got an awesome guest for you guys today, legendary journalist and television news anchor Chris Wallace joins me on the podcast. Chris is currently the host of Fox News Sunday. He is the son of Mike Wallace, who was one of the original correspondents for CBS's 60 Minutes. Chris Wallace served as White House correspondent for NBC, where he also anchored NBC Nightly News and hosted Meet the Press. Chris has worked for ABC as the anchor of Primetime Thursday and Nightline. But since 2003, he has found a home as being the host of Fox News Sunday. Chris has done interviews with Presidents Barack Obama and Donald Trump. He's also interviewed Vladimir Putin and so many others. Uh, He was chosen to be the moderator of the final presidential debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in 2016. He was then chosen once again to moderate the first debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Chris has received a number of awards and recognitions for his work during what has just been a legendary career in front of the camera. Uh, Today we're going to focus on Chris Wallace, the First Class Father. I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Chris Wallace will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Chris Wallace was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between myself and the legendary newsman, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, guys, and on October 7th, the Fox News Channel will be celebrating its 25th year anniversary. And I have been honored to have so many Fox News dads right here on the podcast, including Sean Hannity, Jesse Waters, Pete Hakeseth, Todd Pyro, Stuart Varney, John Roberts, and so many others. Go through the archives of the podcast and check them all out. You can listen to them at your convenience. Congratulations to Fox News Channel on 25 years on the air. Be sure you guys are following me on Instagram at Alec Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. I got some bangers coming your way soon. If you're enjoying the podcast, hit me with that rating and review. It always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please let me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Chris Wallace. I'm Alec Lace. And you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, dads? I've got two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class. Fatherhood, first up, the NFL season is back, and the stands are packed once again with fans the way it's supposed to be. If you plan on taking your kids, going with your family, or going with the guys to the game, save $20 on your tickets by going to SeatGeek.com or using the SeatGeek app and use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you get to save $20 off your tickets. Okay, and secondly, you gotta go to mypillow.com and save up to 66% off using my promo code Fatherhood. Mypillow.com, use the promo code Fatherhood. I'll tell you right now, their pillows are great, but their mattress toppers, their towels, their bathrobes are next level. You gotta check them out. Mypillow.com, use the promo code Fatherhood, and you're gonna save up to 66% off your order. All right, you got that, guys? SeatGeek, save $20 on your tickets. Promo code over there, first class. My pillow, promo code over there, fatherhood. All right, two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood.
1: Joining me now, First Class Father, Chris Wallace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Well, I have to say, when I told my kids, and welcome to you, Alec, uh, that I was going to be on First Class Fatherhood, they said, first class, so I I don't (laughs) know if they think I belong here. Well, on this show, you
0: belong there. So let's start it just like that. How many kids do you have and how old are they?
1: Well, I've got six kids, uh, four of my own, two stepchildren, but uh, they're, you know, they're all kids. And then I've got eight grandchildren and a ninth on the way. So uh, fatherhood and grandfatherhood.
0: Wow, yeah, well, congratulations on the new one coming. And obviously, you've had a, uh, a lengthy, successful career here in the media, but in its just a simple capsule form, hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
1: Okay. Um, well, gra- <laughs> I've been around a long time. I'll try to do this as fast as I can. Um, I graduated from uh, Harvard in 1969. I went to work in newspapers first for a few years at the Boston Globe, then local TV. Uh, went to NBC in Washington in 1980. Uh, no, well, let me think 1978, ABC in 1989 and Fox in 2003. So all told, 52 years of newspapers and television.
0: Wow. In- incredible stuff, Chris. Now, take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey here about how old were you approximately when you first became a dad and how did becoming a father kind of
1: change your perspective on life. I love the way you say approximately like people don't remember exactly how old they were when they <laughs> became a father. I was 27. I was a local TV reporter in Chicago. Um, my son, Peter, was born. And I had an older brother who died when he was 19 years old in a mountain climbing accident. And I always said if I had a son, I was going to name him Peter. And Peter is named after my brother. Um you know, how does it change you? you? You realize, I mean, marriage is a commitment, uh, a huge commitment and jobs and mortgages and all that. But when you have that tiny little baby, you think I'm responsible, well, obviously for, you know, until they become self-sufficient, but really for the rest of your life. I mean, my eldest is now 46 years old, very successful investment banker in New York, but he's still my kid.
0: Yeah, very well said. And what, what would you consider to be the top values, Chris, that you hope to instill in all your
1: kids as they were growing up? Well, I mean, in in a moral sense, I think honesty, uh, responsibility, um, mor- morality, you know, do the right thing. Um, in terms of, of work, I've, I've tried to instill a, a strong work ethic. Um, you know, I'm sure most of your viewers know, my dad, Mike Wallace. And one of the things that I always, and actually it was my older brother, Peter, who very much taught me that you never trade on your father's name. It, in fact, you don't even particularly want people to know it because it just sort of complicates and colors how people see you. So, uh, you know, that was always something that I kind of kept under wraps. And, you know, I kind of instilled that in my kids is, look, I'm Somewhat successful and somewhat famous and don't ever trade on it. You know, you're you're on your your own. I love you and I'll do anything I can to support you. But you've got to work for it and accomplish it on your own. That that was really kind of a been a trade of our family. And I, I have to say they've all pretty much lived up to that.
0: Yeah, very well said. And one thing, Chris, that I talk about on this podcast a lot, and I wish was discussed a lot more in the media is is the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. We got so many kids are growing up without a father or a father figure in their home, and it's having a devastating result on our communities and on our society. Um, and I wish, like I said, it would get more play in the airtime. I, I, in my opinion, it's the number one social issue that we're facing in our country. I think we're trying to solve all these other social issues, but if we don't get to the core of this, which is our nuclear family units, I think we're just running around in circles. What's your take?
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, you look and, and let's face it, it it's a particularly an issue in the black community. And I think, you know, it, 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 it's huge. Um, I, I like to think that I was a a, a, a positive. Uh, I'm not sure that it always agree, but you know that I was a positive presence in my children's life, and, and and both in terms of and and let me just say this about fatherhood. I've always felt that what you do is so much more important than what you say. I mean, I picked up so much more from my father and my stepfather, um, you know, from from the power of their example and and than than any preaching that they did, and that. Opportunity as a father to instill in your kid, and for your kid to see how you just conduct yourself, how how, what you do, how you act, how you behave, how you treat your wife, how you treat your children, how you treat your responsibilities, um, you know, is is just invaluable. And for kids not to have that growing up is just puts them at a huge disadvantage. Yeah, well I couldn't agree
0: more obviously and I you got to promise me here if you get the next presidential debate you got to ask them candidates hey if you become president what do you, what is your plan to help heal and, and and strengthen our nuclear family
1: units and solve this fatherless crisis. It's a good question, you know. I mean we we do have a tendency to talk a lot about immigration or the economy or, or you know some foreign policy problem but those kinds of uh deep-rooted social issues. I, I, I would say that President Obama was pretty good about that in terms of, you know, being a black man and my brother's keeper and all of that. He, I think he was very involved in the idea of fatherless kids growing up in the inner city and, and what a, a disadvantage, what a burden uh, that is on them, what a handicap in terms of putting them behind um it, it it's it's one of the great I, I've thought about it a lot. it's one of the great social problems in society today yeah, agreed and
0: and bringing it back into you as a dad here, what type of disciplinarian were you, Chris, as a father with the kids growing up, and is that different than the discipline style you grew up with?
1: No, I think actually it was the same. I mean not to say that i'm uh, totally against spanking or anything, but I, I I really didn't do that i think I remember spanking my youngest daughter once. And we we talk about it every once in a while because she ran she was about I don't know six or something and ran across the street without looking I mean that's the only time I think I ever did it not for discipline just in things where I thought they were a danger to themselves and uh, you know I'm I, I don't know I it's funny because I I make fun of my eldest son Peter a bit. Because they they have timeouts and the kids are back from the timeouts before uh, before he's back from the timeout from putting them you know in their room. I, I you know one of the things that I do believe about discipline is you you shouldn't threaten your kids or say you know if you do this where well, I'm gonna often but if you do it you gotta you gotta keep it you gotta you gotta keep it. I mean there's nothing that seems to me worse than. When you say to you, you know, if you do that, I'm going to you're not watching shows or I'm going to take that away from you. And then you don't live up to it, because I think then kids just don't take your your discipline seriously.
0: I've seen that myself, too, Chris. I have four kids. uh, We have four kids and each one of them requires a different style of discipline. The same style doesn't necessarily work with each one of them. So it's definitely a. uh, yeah, a trial and error there. Um, let me jump into your new book here, the Countdown Bin Laden, second book in the Countdown series. I've had the honor of having uh, Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill on the podcast here. I'm actually scheduling with him again to come on. Um, you know, there's been a lot of coverage about the mission to kill Osama Bin Laden. Uh, what is what makes this book different than the rest of the coverage that's been out there about the mission?
1: Well, I think two things, and thank you for asking, Alec. One is that I think the timing is better. It's ten years later. Uh, uh, Some of the stuff that was classified isn't classified. And I think, you know, a lot of there was a lot written right afterwards. But as I say, a lot of it uh, they couldn't be told because it was still pretty secret. The other thing is that a lot of the key figures wrote a chapter in their memoirs about it, but didn't delve into it. And and when I started working on this, I I knew or knew I would have access to everyone from CIA director Panetta to secretary of. Defense Gate, Secretary of State Clinton, uh, Bill McRaven, the head of the Joint Special Operations Command, Rob O'Neill, the man who killed bin Laden. And, you know, I think they, 10 years later, take justifiable pride in what they did. And, and you know, we're probably more willing to talk about it than they had been in the past. So so that's in terms of the input that I have. And there are just a bunch of stories you, that, that have never been told before. But I also think it's the way I tell it. Is it we, this countdown series is we is a history thriller, if you will. I, this is going to sound very presumptuous, but I think we tell history the wrong way, which is to say, well, we all know what happened. Now let's talk about why it happened. Well, the fact is that when it happened, as it was happening, the people there didn't know what was going to happen. And so it starts with on August 27th of 2010, when uh, the, some operatives at the case officers at the CIA come to Leon Panetta and say, you know what, we all have thought that bin Laden hiding in a cave. We think he may be in a big compound in a, in a suburb of Islamabad called Abbottabad, and hiding in plain sight. And it goes on from there to the discussions in the White House and, you know, what to do. And then the, the, the Navy SEALs being brought in and practicing for the mission. And then on the helicopter. So it it, it is a thriller as you go through. And the biggest compliment I've been paid, Alec, is is that people say to me, I know how the story ends, but I was on the edge of my seat the last hundred pages because I wanted to know know what happened next. Um, It's a pretty good yarn.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to drop a link in the description of this podcast so my listeners can tap the link and get over there. I'm fascinated by the mission. I, I love the Navy SEALs. I've had over 60 of them on the podcast here. I'm oh, just wow. fascinated that we have men like that in this country that exist. It's just I've gotten to know so many of them and I'm just blown away by their, their humbleness. And it's just uh, incredible stuff. So uh, I, I, I look forward Now, Would you have another book in the countdown series in the pipeline or is, is this uh, what's going to be the next coverage?
1: Well, the first one was Countdown 1945, and that was about Harry Truman becoming president when FDR dies and finding out for the first time about the Manhattan Project, and then 116 days until he um, he decides to drop the bomb on Hiroshima to try to end World War II. Then Countdown Bin Laden, uh, and uh, you know I'm still uh, on the book tour, if you will, uh, trying to sell this one, but I absolutely plan to write another one. I haven't figured out what is worthy of the subject. So if any of your viewers have ideas, send, send them to me, send them to you. You can send them to me. And, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to do one of them because uh, people really have responded to them. It was number two on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, I enjoy writing. them. I, 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 I just love, I mean, why I got in the news business in the first place is tell me a story. So I'm try, I love telling stories.
0: Yeah, very cool. Well, I look forward to seeing what you come up with here next and then bringing it back in here. Like I said, I have four kids. My oldest is only 15. My youngest is my only girl. She's seven. And I'm not really in a hurry to get into this next stage that's coming for me as far as dating and the peer pressures and all that stuff that come with it as they grow into young adults here. Um, you've been there. You've got I think you said a ninth grandkid on the way here. What kind of advice or how did you kind of handle it when your kids became old enough to start dating?
1: <laughs> well, uh, the uh, I, I would say that of the six, I have three boys and three girls, the three. Uh, the two of the three boys, including the eldest, he'll kill me when he hears this, were kind of nerds. So that wasn't a big problem in high school <laughs> when they started dating it. it uh, the, the the third, the youngest son. Uh, it's funny, my wife and I would go to bed. And he we, there would be end up being a party going on in in the, the basement after we'd gone to bed. So I would end up going downstairs. I, I, I knew everybody in his class and in high school because I had kicked them all out of my basement, uh, you know, family room. The girls, you know, I, I should, you know, I suppose I shouldn't indicate that there's a double standard, but obviously you worry a bit more uh, about about daughters. I, you know, look—it's like everything with with kids. If you if you have instilled the right values in them, I can't say that they didn't ever do anything goofy. But if you've instilled the right values in them, they know right from wrong. They know personal responsibility. I will say this though: I was very lucky because I'm not much older than you, and my kids are that much older than you. My youngest is just turning 32. Uh, my youngest son, the one who I used to have in the basement parties, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> You know, we didn't live with as much of the Internet. And, uh, you know, today with Facebook and Instagram, and I just think that would be an awfully tough way. I I, I really am happy I wasn't growing up with all of that social media around where you could, you know, as opposed to imagining all the parties you weren't invited to. Now you can actually see all the parties you're not invited to and all the social pressure and all of that. Um, So I was lucky in that regard, but I'm kind of aware of it now with my grandchildren, my eldest is, uh, 15 years
0: old. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm in no hurry to step into it, but I'm trying to gain as much knowledge as I can now to prepare myself mentally for what's coming my way. So this all is very therapeutic for me and very good, uh, for me to prepare myself. Now, obviously you've had a, a legendary career here that spans a couple of decades and you know, in front of the camera, in the news business here, uh, your legacy is pretty secure there, but what would you consider? What would
1: you want your legacy to be as a dad? I just that my kids are, Good kids, I say kids, they're all grown ups, good individuals, happy, uh, happy in themselves, happy in their own skin, uh, honest, moral, decent, you know, what you'd want for, for anybody. And that, you know, and that maybe, maybe uh, someday they'll say, I'm, I'm worthy of being first class fatherhood.
0: Yeah, I love that, Chris. And what about just real quick, a a quick hitter on being a grandfather? What has that been? What has that experience been like for you making the transition from dad to
1: grandfather? Well, you know, I'm not going to say anything terribly original here. It's pure joy. Uh, You know, you have all of the all of the joy, none of the responsibilities. (laughs) When they're babies, you can and they get (laughs) fill their diaper you can hand them to your your son or your daughter and say i think they've got a problem there <laughs> but you know it is just and, and i said there's also a sense of legacy that you know that sort of your imprint your presence your memory memories of you will go on uh long after you're gone so i mean it's uh, it, it's just wonderful my son today he was dropping uh, my one of my uh Well, I guess my second youngest grandchild, Jack Wallace, off at pre-K, and they were a little bit early. They were on the line and he was dropping them off at pre-K. And so he FaceTimed me and I was talking to Jack about, you know, stuff that was going on. And it's just, you know, it's wonderful to talk to my son and my grandson. And uh, it's 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 part of what makes life worth living.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not speeding towards that myself either, but I definitely look forward to the time. I always hear the great uh, stories about that, and it seems to be one of the greatest treasures in life. So, uh, well said there. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, Chris, i love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or
1: for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Well, I mean, I'd say a few things. First of all, and I always – I said this to my kids: Savor every moment. Record every moment. Take lots of pictures. Keep souvenirs. It goes by so fast. I mean, I, I see I'm living it now through my grandchildren and Jack, for instance, who's who's just turned three. And yesterday he was a little baby and now he's a three year old. We talk, He, you know, he, he's, he's, an, he's a person and it just goes fast. So savor every moment. And and, you know, again, I, I would say it's not what you say, it's what you do. And kids will pick up and. You know, the, the, they'll see your example, not from preaching, but from the way you live your life and conduct your life and treat members of the family and treat people in the outside world. And um, they're, all, they're always watching. So just be aware of that.
0: Yeah, very well said. I love the message. I got to say, Chris Wiles, you are a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here
1: on First Class Fatherhood. Alec, thank you very much. Honored to be. I want to be on that back wall.
0: Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Chris Wallace for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, and drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Don't forget to take advantage of my partnership with DML CBD Products. You can use the promo code FATHER over at DMLCBD.com, and you're going to save 5%. You're going to buy one, get one free, and save an extra 5%. All right, so DMLCBD.com. Use the promo code FATHER. You are going to save 5% on your buy one get one free it's a tremendous offer feel good help support the podcast while you're doing it all right that's all i got for you guys today i'm alec lace thank you for listening to first class fatherhood and please remember guys we are not babysitters we are fathers and we're not just fathers we are first class fathers